us from there. God, we pray that your word will reach us all where we are at our point of need. And in your great name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor, wave at him and say, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? God bless you, then you may be seated. Wherever you are. <laughs> uh, well, we have now officially entered into the Christmas season. Ready or not, here it comes, folks. The Christmas season is upon us. Have you read about the mom who wrote a complaint letter to Santa Claus? She wrote a complaint letter, letter to Santa Claus, and this is what it said. It said, Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas this year is a fat bank account and a slim physique. Then she said, by the way, please, and she put that word please in all capital letters, please be sure you don't mix those two up like you did last year. <laughs> but every Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of a baby. The year was 1809, the world was in complete upheaval. Warfare was being fought on the battlefields of Austria. Napoleon and his army was sweeping across Austria, confronting peoples, uh, initiating warfare. You see, the fate of the entire nations of the world hang in the balance and the world itself seemed to be on the very brink of collapse. To say the least, this period in our history was a very dark time in the history of humanity. But what I want to point out to you is something else that was happening while all of this chaotic warfare and bloodshed was going on. It's interesting to me that in the same year, several significant people, people who would take part in changing their world and making their world better, would be born. That same year in Great Britain, for instance, there was William Gladstone who was destined to become one of England's greatest statesmen. The same year, Alfred Lord Tennyson, who turned out to be one of the greatest authors of his time. That same year in the United States, Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And not far away from there, in Boston, Massachusetts, Edgar Allan Poe began his eventful, albeit tragic, life. And as the world was in much disarray, as the world was in intense conflict and violent warfare, that same year also produced the cries of a newborn infant baby in an old log cabin in the state of Kentucky. Guess who that was? That baby's name was Abraham Lincoln. So in the midst of a chaotic year, while all of that was going on, there were babies still being born, babies that would one day grow up to be men and women who would change their world and make their world better, even in the midst of the world's chaos. 
If one could have been a spectator of roared events in the year 1809, they may have thought that the destiny of the world was being shaped by Austrian warfare on a battlefield. But the, in actuality, history was being formed in the calmness of infant cradles all over England and all over America. You see, every age faces its dangers. Every generation faces its calamity and its crisis. Even today, we here in the United States, as we are all too aware of, we're still dealing with the pandemic here in our nation, as well as our global world, still dealing with the chaos that this terrible pandemic has brought on us all. But understand that with all the things that we face as a nation, every nation sooner or later will experience threats and perils. However, in every age, it is the birth of an infant baby that makes the most significant difference to the destiny of the world and the world's future. I read where a reporter was writing an article about a small local village in a remote region. The, uh, the um, reporter came up to a local villager and he asked him, he said, hey, were any great people born here? And that local villager didn't even raise his hand, raise his head and he said, no, no great people, just babies. You see, throughout mankind's history, the Lord God has brought a refreshing breath of hope and has brought refreshing inspiration to a suffering world through the simple birth of, a, of an innocent baby. You see, I think of the birth of Moses. We know when Moses was born in the, among the people of Israel, it was during a dark time, probably, arguably, one of the darkest times in Israel's history. Pharaoh's sadistic decree had gone out for every male Hebrew child to be instantly slaughtered as soon as it was born, murdered in cold blood. But this is interesting, while Satan was executing his plan for God's people's annihilation, God was carrying out his own plan for his people's salvation. Look, don't fret today because the devil has a plan for your annihilation. That's okay because God has already brought out a plan and has already completed a plan for your salvation. And that is through another baby being born. That was the birth of Jesus Christ into this lost and dying world that he was born to die on a cross, which he did. And once he died on that cross, Christ made a way for you and I to receive everlasting salvation through his precious sacrifice. It was a plan that involved the sending of a new hope through the birth of a helpless, unsuspecting child named Jesus, named Emmanuel. What does the name Emmanuel mean? God with us. You see, what Christmas should always remind you and me of is this, is that in the midst of our darkest hour, God is with us. In the midst of the greatest trials, in the midst of our greatest challenges, in the midst of our greatest adversities, let me tell you something, because Jesus was born into this world, guess what? God will be with 
us. Look at somebody and tell them, cheer up. God is with you today. And do you know what's so interesting about the birth of Moses being born in such a dark time among the people of God's history? Is that the Lord, now get this, not only was the deliverer Moses born despite Pharaoh's attempts to stop his birth from happening. He was not only born anyway, but he was born in Pharaoh's own household. And Pharaoh's own daughter raised that deliverer in Pharaoh's own house. Think, have you ever thought about that before? He raised that deliverer in Pharaoh's who represented Satan himself, basically. He raised that deliverer named Moses in Pharaoh's own house. I bet Pharaoh even changed Moses' dirty diapers. Have you, have you ever thought about that? Little did he understand that when he was changing little baby Moses' dirty diapers, that he was changing the very diapers of the one that God would use to lead the oppressed people of Israel out of slavery and out of the bondage of Egypt. Somebody put your hands together today and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Don't you know that's what, that's what God will do for you? God will bless you even if he has to use the devil to do it because that's the kind of power and that's the kind of God that you and I serve. You know, if it would have been up to me, I would have sent Jesus the Messiah into this world riding a white horse, wearing a crown of gold on his head and raising a sword in his hand, but no, not God. God didn't do it that way, at least not that time. No wonder the Bible says God's ways are not our ways, nor are his thoughts our thoughts. In God's limitless wisdom, God didn't change the world with a champion. God didn't change the world with a champion, no, but I tell you what he did do. God said that'd be too easy. God said, I'm gonna change the world with a baby. You see, back in the days of the prophet Isaiah, the world looked dark also. The world looked bleak among the history of Israel. Israel had turned their backs on God and God in response to turn his back on them. Due to their disobedience, God would bring a nation from the north, a nation named Assyria, to sweep down upon them like a flood. In response to Israel's defiance, the prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah chapter eight, he said, the Lord Almighty is one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread and he will be a sanctuary. Isaiah nine and two says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Do you know who that great light was? His name is Jesus. The God of heaven would bring hope in the midst of the world's darkness. God, the God of heaven, would bring hope in the midst of Israel's darkness. Isaiah 9 and 6, a passage of scripture that is read regularly from year to year. It says, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, 
Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, Christ will come to you today in the midst of your crisis. God sent our deliverer in the form of a small, helpless baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God does the unthinkable. God does what we do not expect him to do. God does what we don't think he is capable of doing. God takes our greatest needs and ministers to those great needs in the most simplistic ways. Just demonstrating just how powerful and just how awesome of a God he really is. Christ will come to you today, church, in the midst of your crisis. Do you know that? Look at somebody and tell them, Christ will come to you in the midst of your crisis. God sent our deliverer in the form of a small, helpless baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So today, Jesus Christ comes to us as our wonderful counselor. That's what the prophet said. Wonderful counselor, understand today, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. I've learned that people will listen to the advice of all kinds of counselors today. Some listen to talk show hosts, some listen to news commentators, some listen to to sports journalists, political pundits, and so many even actors. But you see, a counselor can be anybody who chooses to trust, that we choose to trust, to give us advice, to shape our beliefs, to form our attitudes on important life-changing decisions. The problem for Israel is that they had gotten into the habit of listening to the wrong counselors. I read this the other day, a man goes to see his rabbi. The rabbi, he said, Rabbi, something terrible has happened to me and I've just got to talk to you about it. The rabbi said, but what's wrong? The man replied, my wife is poisoning me. The rabbi said, well, what makes you think that? The man explained what was going on. He said, how can that be? He said, I'm telling you, I'm certain, I'm positive that my wife is poisoning me. What should I do? The rabbi thought for a moment, then he said, well, I'll tell you what, let me talk to your wife and I'll see what I can find out and I'll let you know. Well, a week later, the rabbi calls the man and says, hey, I talked to your wife. I talked with her for three solid hours on the phone. So do you want my advice? The man said, yes, rabbi, tell me, what should I do? The rabbi said, take the poison. (laughs) That was a joke. Don't take that seriously. But Isaiah 8 and 19 says, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists, should not a people inquire of their God? There are men in Israel who were giving the people bad counsel. There are men in Israel who were giving false counsel as false prophets to the children of God. These individuals were advising the Israelites to listen to mediums, 
to listen to psychics, to listen to sorcerers who claim that they talk to the dead. Why would anybody want to consult somebody who claims that he talks to the dead when he, as God's, when we as God's children can sit at Jesus' feet and talk to the God of the living instead in prayer? Why do you want to consult someone who supposedly talks to the dead when we have access, thanks to Jesus Christ, to the living God of heaven? My point today is this, there are many voices screaming at you. There are many voices pulling at us, folks, persuading you to go in any and every direction except the one God wants you to go in. Satan is gonna do everything that he can to get you distracted, to get you from being focused upon the mark who is Jesus Christ himself. If Satan can successfully get our eyes off of him, he knows that he can catch us in his own spiritual traps. What will determine your success today and what will determine your failure in this life will be based upon who you listen to. Who are you listening to today, church? Who are you tuning in to hear This is why we call the Bible the Word of God. Have you ever thought about that before? We call the Bible the Word of God. We call it the Word of God because it represents God, the God of heaven, speaking to us, wanting to speak his hope, wanting to speak his life, his grace, his forgiveness into our lives. You see, that's why whenever I address you as a congregation, I, I try really hard not to, to, to preach speculation or preach my own opinions or anyone else's opinions for that matter. Preach nothing but the word of the living God. Why? Because it takes the power of God's word to set the captive free today. It takes the power of God's word to loose the bonds of sin, to deliver from the spirit of oppression that is rampant in this age, in this society today in which we live. My word won't do it, friend. Your word's not good enough either, but it takes the living word of Almighty God to set the captive free. Somebody put your hands together and give Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise. God warned Israel, you're walking in darkness. He said in the shadow of death because you've listened to the wrong counselors. Who are you listening to today? Be careful who you listen to. Tarot cards, oh my. Astrology, oh well. Fortune tellers, oh goodness. And psychics, oh my. They are all, listen to me church, they are all forbidden by God's word as legitimate consultants. They are all forbidden by God's word as a source of wisdom for God's people. Don't sell God short. Don't sell yourself short by looking to such things. Let me tell you something. God's word is life. God's word is truth. And there is no greater counselor than our counselor. And his name is Jesus. Somebody give him praise 
in the house today. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the great name of Jesus. Sorcery seeks to manipulate the supernatural for one's own selfish advantage. We don't practice sorcery. The Bible forbids the practicing of sorcery in any form because it is an effort to manipulate the supernatural for our own will and our own desire. Prayer is God's mean for us to get in touch with heaven. Prayer is submitting one's life to the God of heaven to be used according to his divine will and according to our life and his desire for our lives. In order to understand the answers to life's questions, friend, we must turn to the author and the giver of life himself, whose name once again is Jesus. Isaiah the prophet said, rejoice, For unto you a child is born, unto you a son is given, and he's going to be the wonderful counselor. That counselor has come, folks. That counselor has already been given to us. His name is Jesus. Isaiah was prophesying that Jesus was going to be somebody that we could listen to and know that his counsel is sure and know that his advice is sound advice, eternally sound advice. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, he said, we look through a glass darkly on this earth. In other words, if we try to depend upon our natural vision to show us the way, we're going to be led astray. But God has given us a great and wonderful counselor whose name is Jesus and whose birth we celebrate this Christmas season. That wonderful counselor is willing and able to show us the way to salvation, to show us the way to victory, to show us the way to the favor and blessings of Almighty God. Jesus is the way and there is no other way other than him. Somebody give God praise in this place today. What the Bible says is without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is, he exists, and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our security is not in what we know. We got the internet today, we can look up, ask any question, you know, If you're holding one of these, one of these smartphones, you're actually holding a genius in your hand. You can ask it any question, just about anything, although you can't believe everything that you read on the internet. But if the source is dependable, if it's reliable, it's probably gonna give you some good information. But I wanna share something with you today. There is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil that caused Adam and Eve to stray from God. They received knowledge, but that knowledge caused them to be cursed and led them to disobedience against the Lord. 
Wisdom, on the other hand, only comes from one place. That is Almighty God. Wisdom to know what is right and wisdom to know what is wrong. Wisdom to know what is good and wisdom to know what is evil. Wisdom to know what is gonna bring blessing and wisdom to know what is gonna bring self-destruction. Wisdom to know what is gonna bring the curse of God and what is going to bring the blessings of God. That's wisdom. Knowledge is one thing, but knowing what to do with that knowledge, that's wisdom. Knowing that's going, what's going to bring pl- pleasure to the, to the heart of God, that's wisdom. Knowing that what brings God's favor and God's blessings on and in our lives, that's wisdom. That's because when Jesus Christ came, he came fully understanding the basic problem that you and I face. That means Jesus came not only as our wonderful counselor, but one more thing before we pray, Jesus came as our mighty conqueror. Jesus came to give us his counsel, but Jesus also came to represent our conqueror. I'm here to tell you this morning that we are more than conquerors because Jesus Christ is our mighty conqueror. Matthew 1 and 21 says that she, talking about Mary, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You notice the scripture did not say that he will tell them about their sins. The scripture says that he will deliver us from our sins. You know, somebody comes and gives me a big long list of all of my imperfections, of all the things that I'm not doing and all the things that I ought to be doing. You know, I look at him and say, well, tell me something that I don't, I don't already know. Somebody preaches to me about all my sin, guess what, I already know that. But if you come preaching to me about somebody who has the power, come on now, who has the power, who has the might, who has the will to do something about it, then you've got my attention, how about you? Tell somebody this morning, Jesus is mighty to save today. He won't just tell you about your problems. Jesus has the power in the heart to do something about it. One of the repeated pieces of counsel that Jesus gave people during his earthly ministry was this. John chapter four and John chapter eight and there are other places where Jesus looked at someone tormented by their own sin. He looked at them and he said this very simply. This is good counsel, by the way. Go and sin no more. That's what he said, go and sin no more. You know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was telling them, stop making excuses for your sin. Don't try to ignore sin or explain sin away. Sin isn't going to go away on its own. It doesn't matter how much you close your eye and wish wish it was gone. When you open your eyes, it's still gonna be there. We must deal with our sin in order to be freed from our sin. We must confess our sin to the Lord. We must confront our sin before the Lord. And 
and, and we must acknowledge that our sin is more than just a mistake. We must acknowledge the, the, the damage that our sin has done. We've got to stop making excuses for our sin. Sin gets its power. This is the reason why right here. Sin gets its power from darkness. Sin loses its power whenever it is brought into the light of God's truth. There is something about the truth of God's word. There is something about the light of God's righteousness that renders our sin powerless and looses our hearts and looses our relationships and looses our lives from sin's grasp. There is power in the truth of God's word. I'm not just talking about a truth today. I'm talking about the power of God's truth to set the captive free, to deliver the prisoner from prison and to give those who are bound in hopelessness a life full of hope. And the only way we can deal effectively with sin in our lives is when we realize that only a mighty God who is mighty to save can bring sin's hold on our lives and free us from sin's bondage. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, he said, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor today because he is the power and he is the wisdom of the God of heaven. The counselors of this world can help you with your problems but they are limited in what they can do. They can only help us so much. But by contrast, Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor, has the power to help us deal with the root cause of our problems. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 10, it says, by pride comes nothing but strife. Pride is a sin problem. Pride is a spiritual issue. Pride brings strife. Pride brings isolation. Pride brings division. Pride brings loneliness. What, does, what is the remedy for pride today? The Bible says, humble yourself before the God of heaven and let his grace and let his forgiveness heal your relationships. For we do not have, Paul, the author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 4 and 15, if Pastor Roger, if you'll come and play softly on the keyboard this morning as we get ready to pray. Hebrews chapter 4 and 15, author of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands our problems today. Jesus is sympathetic to our weaknesses this morning. Jesus is the one who can give us the power to overcome our sin. 
and the wisdom to know how to deal with our own sins even when we fall prey to them. Will you stand with me this morning as we go to the Lord in prayer? You see, with God's presence in our lives comes God's power for our lives. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of this age. The Holy Spirit is our 24-7 counselor that we can look to, that we can count on, that we can seek out when we know, when we don't know which way to go, when we've lost our way in the chaotic lives in our chaotic world. The Holy Spirit will continue to be our counselor. He is always on call. He never sleeps, he never slumbers. He is always attentive to the prayers of his people. His name, his name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, Jesus came to our place and then Jesus took our place on the cross. And today, Jesus invites you and me back to his place to have fellowship with the God of heaven. Will you pray with your pastor today as we join together in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of our Messiah, who is Jesus, our wonderful counselor, our mighty conqueror, our redeemer and our king. Lord God, yes, this Christmas season we celebrate the birth of a baby, but not just any baby, the birth of the Christ child, the birth of our Messiah, who is more than enough to set us free from the bondage of our own sin. And Lord God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you will minister to every heart, that you will touch every life, almighty God, that you will sweep over this place right now, right where we are, God, as we submit our needs into your hands, if you're here today and you have a pressing need on your heart and life, will you just lift that hand right where you're standing and say, God, you see, you see me. You see where I am. You know what I have need of today. And as you lift that, keep that hand raised. Rest of us, can we join them in lifting our hands together and let us pray over these needs today in our closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we're asking you right now, God, in the name of Jesus, minister to these needs, Almighty God. Lord, you see the hands that were raised. You know the hearts that are weeping. You know the lives that have been broken, the relationships that have been marred. Lord God, send your grace. Lord God, send your love. Let your healing balm of Gilead bring healing and wholeness to the brokenhearted, healing and wholeness to the broken relationships. And let the spirit of the living God Almighty fall fresh upon our lives. Lord Jesus, we pray right now, let your word serve as a lamp to our feet and a lamp to our life, that we will not step outside of your perfect will, Almighty God, in any shape, fashion, or form. Let us look to you, Lord Jesus, as our wonderful counselor. 
Let us follow in the fullness of your glory and in the perfection of your love. And it's in the glorious, priceless, the mighty name of Jesus. We ask these things together. And everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen. Are you glad to have been in the house of the Lord today? Can we give God one more hand clap of praise today before we leave here? Thank you for being with us today. We love you so much. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord, and you are dismissed. God bless you.